Hello, and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. The podcast you're about to hear is from our online services called Sunday at Home. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. Well, hello. It's uh, so good to see so many smiling faces, and thank you for welcoming me into your homes. Well, I didn't expect to be uh, sharing with you in this way today. It feels a little strange, but it also seems good and right that we meet in small groups across our city at a time such as this. You know, we're, we're one church in two locations, our Burragoon and our Corbelup campus, but today we're one church in many locations. The church is the church wherever we are, and uh, you can never close the doors of the church. And the Lord said, uh, you know, when two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. And how true is that? And our response as a church to the coronavirus uh, pandemic is not one of fear and panic as those without hope, but it's characterised by love and care for one another and for the people of our city. And we as a leadership team have sought the wisdom of God. And we believe that the most loving response at this time is to refrain from meeting in large groups for a period and help flatten the exponential curve of infections uh, for the benefit of our medical and health professionals and, of course, for the well-being of our whole community. And I'm excited about what the Lord will be doing in these days as I believe faith will arise and the steadfast love of God will have opportunity uh, to uh, shine the more brightly as the counterfeit gods of this world are exposed and prove to be fragile and without lasting substance, while the character and life of our ever-dependent Lord is revealed through the love and care of his people. So, hey, kids, it's great that you're joining us too. Great to see families together uh, at this time. And it's just good for me to mention right up front that I've something uh, for the families in the message. So as the message unfolds, there'll be an opportunity to pause the recording at the appropriate time and just to conduct a kind of fun teaching time together uh, as families. And then uh, when you finish, you can continue with the message uh, when you're ready. So now let's pray. Let's... Uh, Let's bow our heads. Lord, we just thank you for your presence with us right here and now. And Lord, I ask that you would bless each home where your people are gathered today. And Lord, that as we hear your word, Lord, as we respond to your word, as we share together, I pray, Lord, that we would be built up in you and that we'd be made more like you. So bless our time together, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's continue with our focus on friendship. And the message today concerns our fruitfulness. It's our friendship with God that produces fruitfulness in our lives. And how needful is fruitfulness in these challenging times when there's so much negativity and disturbing news? And what a wonderful opportunity we have right now to let the light of Christ shine in our world through us, that people in these uncertain times might come to taste and see the rich fruit of the goodness and dependability of our God and be built up. So much is at stake when it comes to our friendships. More than we might realise. Life is about personal relationships and friendship is God's idea for our lives. See, friendship originates with God. 
It's who God is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternal, powerful interactions of love and friendship. You see, the heart of God is friendship reaching out to us. And God makes each one of us and has made each one of us in his own image, which is an incredible thing that we might live in true friendship with him and with one another. See, our friendship with God is the most needful, it's the most powerful, and it's the most fruitful friendship in all our lives. It's a friendship that produces rich, beautiful fruit, fruit which overflows into all our friendships, into every part of our everyday lives, and brings extraordinary joy and fulfilment as well. See, we began our series on friendship by looking at John 15, 12 to 17, with Jesus calling us to love one another as he has loved us. And uh, when Jesus speaks of his friendship with us, his disciples, and uh, he said, I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. That's a remarkable shift. And now today I want to look back at the first half of the passage, as John 15, 1 to 11, the verses that immediately precede Jesus' discussion on friendship, and uh, where Jesus presents this striking picture of a fruitful vine to convey the incredible fruitfulness of our friendship with God. So let's read John 15, 1 to 11 together. And I want you to notice the repetition of the word remain, remain, remain. Let's read together John 15. I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have remained, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy might be complete. Hey kids, I have a great clip for you that I think you'll love and I'm sure we'll all love actually. So let's just, just have a look at it. Jesus said, I am the vine, and you, the people, are the branches. Branch? I'm not a branch. I don't mean like a tree branch. I don't get it. The vine and branches were used by Jesus as an example. It means you are a child of the king. That's Jesus. Really? That's awesome. Does that mean I get to wear a crown? It gets even better than that. Not only are we children of the King, but when we look like Jesus, we will have fruit that sets us apart. Oh yeah, I remember. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, 
faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those fruits come from being connected to Jesus, right? Yes, that's exactly right. And Jesus even says that those who remain connected to him will produce fruit. But apart from him, you can do nothing. Kind of like when a light isn't plugged into a wall? Exactly like that. Just like a light cannot function without being plugged in, we cannot function without being connected to Jesus. Jesus loves us so much that he wants to be close to us. Like, really close. He wants to be our greatest friend. Really? So how do you get that close to Jesus? By following God's commands and doing things like praying and attending church, we can get close to him, and in return, he will get even closer to us. Jesus said that in doing this, we become like the disciples. They were really close to Jesus, like best friend close. And we can be too. We just have to stay connected to God all the time, not just in church. He is the vine and we are the branches. And as long as we remain in him, we will grow much fruit. And parents, uh, I encourage you to, to pause now and just lead a time with your family around this scripture. And uh, here's some questions on the screen that might be helpful uh, as well. And there's a separate um, document that you would have seen on the website that Mim's prepared just to help guide the discussion. Um, please feel free to use that. Um, and while the kids are completing the uh, craft activity, then um, please continue with the video. Israel was the vine. I think it's helpful to see that the image of the vine was actually the symbol for Israel, Israel's national emblem. So Israel in the Old Testament is referred to as the vine the Lord had planted in the earth to be a blessing to the nations, to fulfill God's promise to Abraham and bring light and life and salvation to the ends of the earth. And the emblem of the golden vine was placed on the temple porch and on the gates and even on their coins. And throughout the Old Testament, the vine and the symbolism of the vine is mentioned on many occasions. Psalm 80 is a classic. Psalm 80 brings together Israel as the vine transplanted out of Egypt and planted in the promised land to flourish. And the vine withered because of Israel's unfaithfulness. And then the Son of Man is raised up as saviour, to be the true vine. And Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, also in Isaiah 5, good to read that passage, 1 to 7. See, the vine is explicitly identified there as the nation of Israel. And Jeremiah said, The Lord said to Israel, I have planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Israel were God's chosen people, the vine through which the nations of the world would be blessed. But, um, but Israel failed in their purpose of being light to the nations and bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. And they turned uh, from the one true God and turned to the other gods of the nations. And uh, now in John 15, Jesus identifies himself to Israel as the true vine. And in John uh, 15 verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine. And uh, they would have known what Jesus was saying, uh, for they were the vine. But Jesus now claims to be the true vine, the vine through which God purpose, God's purposes for Israel would be fulfilled, where the nations would be reached and all the families of the earth would be blessed in Jesus. 
And I'm sure many of you have had vines growing in your gardens uh, at home, passion fruit vines or grape vines, or have uh, seen uh, grape vines growing in the Margaret River area or in the Swan Valley vineyards. So your vine, unlike a tree, it reaches out and it connects through tendrils, these little kind of curly strings that reach out and grip onto things. And branches are added to the vine and uh, the vine extends and creeps and grows. And as it grows, it bears fruit. Its branches reach out and extend a great distance, in fact, from the stem or the root. And the image uh, is that of a vine that is reaching out across the whole earth. You see, a grapevine exists to give its lifeblood its sap to produce fruit. And if it's healthy, it produces lots of fruit over a vast distance if it's well-trained and directed by its gardener. Now, in the imagery in John 15, Jesus is the vine and the first disciples were the branches. And now we, the people of God from across the nations, are branches in the vine. And the lifeblood of the vine is the Holy Spirit. And the gardener is God our Father. So we have this, this image of a thriving, healthy vine growing, uh, adding branches and being trained and led and carefully pruned to eventually cover the whole earth, bearing f good fruit. You know, as it goes and as new branches are added, the vine becomes more and more fruitful. Now, Israel failed in their mission. And in John 15, Jesus, as the true vine, is embodying and renewing the mission of Israel in himself and through his disciples. So John 15 is speaking of what we now call the Great Commission, the Lord's missional purposes in the world, as mentioned in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations, which means go and make friends, for disciples are friends of Jesus, those who learn from him and reproduce the character and fruit of his life in the world. So it's about God making friends, friends of the nations who bear his image and likeness in the world. You see, these friends in the imagery become branches and the branches reach out and more friends are added to the vine, and the vine is the body of Christ in the world. And we, the branches, are joined to him by the indwelling spirit, the spirit within us. So the body grows as friends make friends, and the body is built up as friends uh, love one another and care for one another and produce good fruit. What a beautiful picture of friendship in the world. See, Jesus is saying, I am the vine, you are the branches. The vine and the branches are one. You can't divide the branches from the vine. See, we, as Jesus' friends, are grafted into the vine and draw our kind of life from Jesus the vine and are in him and he is in us and we are one with the Father. And such is the intimacy and oneness that Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. But no branch can bear fruit by itself. Cut off or separated from Jesus the vine, the source of life, the branch quite naturally dies. See, Jesus' friendship is fruitful. It's life-giving. It's life-changing to every branch. A friendship that bears more fruit and more friends and brings joy to the hearts 
of his friends. Uh, you may have a vine in your garden, and uh, if you do, you'll know that they can get wild and uh, unruly quite quickly. And so they need to be pruned and trained uh, to be healthy and fruitful. And in John 15, in the John 15 imagery, each vine, that is you and me, is each branch, sorry, that is you and me, is pruned and trained by the careful and loving hands of our Father in order to be more fruitful. So pruning can be painful, we know that, but in the process, unwanted and unnecessary and entangling growth in our lives is cut off, is cut out, that we might grow and produce more fruit. So how are our lives pruned? Well, firstly, our lives are pruned and shaped by the word of God. See, we read the scriptures, the word sh- uh, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to, uh, to work in the depths of our hearts and shape our lives. And there's this ongoing kind of putting off of the old ways so that the new life can shoot, the new ways of life, new ways of living can more fully emerge. And uh, the old must go. And the Spirit of God works in us, prompting and convicting as we read the Word and in prayer and devotion and in the course of our everyday lives. And there, there are things in our lives, old bad habits and even things that were kind of once good for us but now need to be pruned out of our lives. I remember in my 20s uh, when sport, and sport's fine, but uh, sport was taking a huge part of my life, just needed to be cut back for new things uh, to have space to emerge and to grow and to enlarge my life. Our priorities change and we need to leave some things behind and we know what they are, but will we leave them is the question. Now, we're also pruned by difficult and challenging circumstances, which we all pass through and they can be painful, not pleasant at the time, but reshape us and open up new life opportunities later, which produce a harvest. You know, I know people who have had you know, the painful and humiliating experience of being made unexpectedly redundant in the workplace, but new and better opportunities subsequently open up for them that they would never have pursued. And they look back years later with great thankfulness to God for what has happened. And God often uses our closest friends in this pruning of us. Friends who know us, who care for us, and, and so have our you know, best interests at heart. And they actually have the right as well to speak into our lives. See, Proverbs 27 says this, Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. It goes on to say in verse 17, iron sharpens iron and one person sharpens another. You see, a real friend is not only with you and for you, but is also respectfully honest, even sometimes brutally honest, even painfully honest. You see, real friendship is like sharpening the blade of a sword. Our character is sharpened and our life made more fruitful and fulfilling and effective. See, We need a friend. He's not just going to tell us what we want to hear, make us feel good, but will refine us, will sharpen us and make us better and wiser people. My wife does that quite well, actually. Uh, (laughs) But there are many other friends who do as well. See, we might not agree with everything our friends say, but we will listen and be challenged and not offended, knowing that they do have our best interests in mind. See, we need people like this in our life to help us see ourselves better and grow. So it can be painful, 
but better the wounds of an honest friend than the hugs and the kisses of a stranger who doesn't have our best interests in mind. Now let's just turn now to this, what this fruit, what is this fruit of our friendship with God? What does it look like? You know, we know about grapes and passion fruit and apples and oranges, but what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here in the text? Well, the fruit, I think, can be seen at at least three levels. Firstly, at an individual level, a personal level. It includes the fruit of the Spirit revealed in our lives. It's, you know, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and gentleness, self-control. Fruit which is beautiful to see and taste and experience. Fruit which makes people attractive and enables relationships and friendships to thrive and life to flourish. Secondly, at a church kind of community level, the fruit includes the winning of new friends. So evangelism in Christ, new friends in Christ, new branches being added to the vine, the body of Christ, uh, growing and uh, being built up in love. So people become fruit of the vine. And thirdly, at a, at a kind of wider community and national level and world level, international level, the fruit includes the fruit of justice and righteousness and peace and health and wholeness and goodness and harmony in the world. See, this fruit, though, is dependent on remaining in Jesus. This is why Jesus says, remain in me as I remain in you. He says that 10 times, remain, that word remain, 10 times in seven verses in our text. This abiding in Jesus and Jesus in us by the Holy Spirit is fundamental to our bearing fruit. We cannot produce this kind of fruit by ourselves. It's in our union and communion with Christ where the love of God dwells in our hearts and the quality and lasting fruit is produced in and through our lives. But, you know, there are other vines that produce a different kind of fruit that you can attach yourself to, but in the end will be seen to be hollow and worthless idols. The Lord said in Deuteronomy 29, make sure your heart does not turn away from the Lord to go to other vines and worship the gods of other nations, the root of which produce bitter poison. And in Deuteronomy 32, the Lord speaks of the vine of Sodom from the fields of Gomorrah where the grapes are filled with poison and their clusters with bitterness. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. Such is the fruit of the vine of sexual immorality. And a couple of weeks ago, Nick spoke of the deadly poison of pornography. It's another vine to be avoided. See, we're warned in the scriptures not to drink of other wells or abide in counterfeit gods. You know, like the vine of Sodom and Gomorrah, like the vine of materialism and wealth and money making. You know, like the vine of self-righteousness, doing it my way. See, all these other vines are wild, poisonous vines that produce the fruit of emptiness and disappointment in our lives. See, Jesus says, remain in me. Remain in my love for our own good and for the good of others. See, as we remain in the love of God, we live in obedience to the word of God and the fruit of God's character and ways are kind of worked out in our lives. See, Jesus says in verse nine, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. And just as I have 
kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So you notice how love and obedience go together. See, Jesus remaining in the Father's love is expressed in his obedience. So it is for us. Our remaining in the love of God is expressed in our obedience. Love first, then obedience follows. You know, there are practical day-to-day situations in our lives which I think help us help to demonstrate here what Jesus is saying. See, when we're prompted by the Spirit to do something or not do something, we can obey or we can ignore the prompting. Yet, for example, you might be hurt by someone and you're carrying bitterness towards them. And you know that's not right. The Spirit's prompted that. So you remain in his love by forgiving and letting go. Then love will be outworked and fruit will follow. You know, you, you may know you should call or visit someone. might be your parents in Mandra or a friend or someone in need. Well, you remain in the love of God by being obedient to the prompting and love will be outworked. Fruit will follow. See, it's by obedience that the love of God multiplies in the world. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants, but friends. And so obedience is not simply the dutiful submission of a servant following instructions from a master. Rather, the obedience of someone who knows they've been graciously and freely delivered from slavery. They've been loved. And so obedience is a response to love. You know, mere religion or legalism is slavish, you know, laborious obedience. It's based on kind of the idea of reward and punishment. But the obedience that Jesus is talking about is not harsh and hard, but it's a road to freedom. See, Jesus finished the text that we've been reading by saying, I have told you about love and obedience so that your joy so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And so we go into the world as branches in the true vine to bear fruit, Christ in us and we in him. See, the imagery of the vine is missional and it's grounded in friendship as it speaks of the way the gospel is spread throughout the world. And that's through the multiplying effect of friends making friends. Friendship with Jesus produces fruit in our lives, fruit in the church, and fruit in the world. And the current environment of fear and panic and uncertainty in the world with the presence of a virus we can't even see, markets crashing and science struggling, uh, this all presents just a, a wonderful opportunity for us to shine the light of Christ by caring for our neighbours, by loving our neighbours, by checking on our elderly and visiting the isolated and lonely, you know, rather than being just concerned about ourselves, you know, but we're to be led by the Spirit to walk with Jesus. See, Jesus is saying to us this morning, I believe, to abide in him, to remain in the love of God and let's be friends and let's together make friends. That's Jesus' heart. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to say how much we love you. We thank you for who you are. And we thank you that when you walked the earth, you remained in the Father's love. You never departed from the love of your Father. You walked in obedience. And you've opened for us the possibility to remain in your love 
and in the love of our Father, by the powerful presence of the person of the Holy Spirit with us. Lord, lead us, protect us, strengthen us by your Spirit, and grant us your wisdom that we might bear the fruit of your life and character in our families and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message brought to you by Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, feel free to contact the team during office hours on the phone number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. A video version of this podcast is available on the Mount Pleasant Baptist Church YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.